0: Welcome to Leo Rising, a Living Tarot and Creative Intuition podcast. My name is Jenna Fox, and I'm a queer adoptee witch raised in fundamental Christianity and a mama to two rambunctious kiddos. Labels really help me tell a story about my way of being in the world. I'm influenced by my profession as a community college instructor and licensed mental health counselor, as well as my experience as a tarot reader and Reiki practitioner. If you're looking for declarative statements or black and white guidance, I'm probably not your gal. My approach to these conversations is less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I don't presume to have the answers, but I'm enjoying working out the process with you all. So let's get started. I'm really happy to have you here. Well, my friends, today is the last day of season two, and I'm not going to say that I saved the best for last, but the person that we're going to be talking to today is pretty rad. So before I introduce him, I just wanted to share a little bit about my process. I am so pleased with all of the people that I have had the opportunity to talk with for season two. And as many of you know, in, you know, the late fall, I put a call out on Instagram for people who were interested in sharing their story, having a conversation with me on air. And it has resulted in these last 16 weeks or so of interviews and, It has just been such a pleasure for me to connect with amazing people doing amazing things and hear stories of spiritual development. Um, I have been in this this last couple of months as I've been releasing these podcast episodes, I've been in a place of real contemplation and exploration around um, some aspects of my family. We are intending to move soon. I have been um, kind of moving through the world in a, lo- a non-linear fashion and giving myself a lot of grace and permission to not uh, live up to the high expectations that I have for myself Which is interesting because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably remember uh, the episode that I did where I learned about my north and south nodes. And it's really interesting because this year, starting in the late fall, um, my north node has come full circle and it has returned, which means... About every 18 or 19 years, you have this um, return in your astrological chart. And so for me, as somebody living with a cancer North node in the 12th house of spirituality, it really feels like this call to live in a nonlinear fashion in a really intuitive way and to dive into friendships and spiritual community, which is something that I've been doing and working on, um, having signed up for which school, which is, which, which (laughs) I love that, um, is led by somebody who is teaching from an intuitive place without a curriculum. And it is just blowing my mind because so much of my life feels scheduled and, um, detail oriented and time sensitive. And so as far as, um, holding space for you listeners. I just wanted to let you know that I will probably still be releasing podcast episodes um, as I have all of these things percolating in my brain and yet I don't have um, this internal desire to schedule and sit down right now and write out what I'm going to talk about and find the sort of quote unquote, perfect time to have um, a podcast, you know, coming out every week. So that is where I am right now. I am in this kind of dreamy place. It's my North Node return. And I have just really been loving it yet it doesn't lend itself well to a well-produced structured podcast format so that is that is where i am and of course i'm going to you know keep you updated on any changes that happen um with the release of a hopeful season three um <clears throat> so today, the conversation, our final conversation, you know, not quite saving the best for last just because there I don't want there to be a hierarchy, but today is my conversation with Carl of Pinewood Tarot and Carl is somebody that I have been following on Instagram for a while now, kind of from the beginning of my tarot journey, um, in the Instagram world. And he is also, a, another higher ed professional. So this interview was recorded back in the winter months when we both were off, um, from, from school, um, at, uh, the winter time, you know, Christmas time. And so I just wanted to share this conversation with you all because Carl was such a delight to talk to and I love that he and I share tarot in common as well as this like perspective bent towards working with students on college campuses. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation and of course you can find me on Instagram, send me an email, would love to hear how season two hit you. And if there's anything that you would love me to explore for my hopeful potential season three which I imagine that I wouldn't start recording until the summertime when I'm on another break from work. All right, y'all. Here's Carl of Pinewood Tarot. Okay. I'm so excited to welcome Carl of Pinewood Tarot to the podcast today. Welcome. And I know this is going to come out like in the springtime, but Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) People are going to get the behind the scenes look on how long things take in the, you know, editing and prepping world. So, Um, okay, I'm sure that I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm going to ask you, but I just wanted to give you a chance to just kind of share with people who you are, maybe where you are in the world and anything that kind of feels good, like the leading up to sort of this moment where you are on a tarot podcast.
1: Right. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Great. Well, my name is Carl. You see him, his pronouns. I identify as a queer man who works in higher education. Um, I strongly identify as an educator. And that's kind of like the foundation of what has sort of shaped my little fledgling tarot practice and all that kind of stuff. I come from a pretty low socioeconomic um, part of rural Minnesota, which is actually where I am in this physical moment, again, because it's around the holidays, but I find myself working, like I mentioned, in higher education, just north of Chicago. And so I call Chicago home. I spend a lot of time there. But I work in the north suburbs at a small private liberal arts college where I do a lot of really amazing things around students sport. I'm not currently teaching, but I have a background in teaching. What I mostly do is work with um, folks who have broken our policies, code of conduct kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. I help out with some of our Title IX processes and that kind of thing. And I'm sure we'll get into this later on, but when you talk about leading into tarot, all of my background knowledge, I studied anthropology in college, I studied sociology, I've traveled around the world doing different ethnographic research projects and studying higher education and studying education culture and all these different things, and essentially... I see each of those moments where I'm sitting with a student as like just this really beautiful kind of channeled thing. And it once I once I rediscovered or really fell into my tarot practice, it really reshapes how I think about my work. Which again, that's like such a huge part of the story because the work that I do doesn't really feel like a job. It feels more like my calling in life, or like Mm. the thing that my skills are just so naturally suited to. And I just love the work that I do. So tarot has been such a beautiful addition to that and.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you is just because I I too strongly identify as an educator and somebody working in higher education that people have asked me like, do you want to quit your job and be a professional tarot reader? And I'm like, no, I really love teaching right now. I mean, I don't know forever, right? But I've been doing this for, you know, six years now. And I'm like, I really love the college experience and getting to meet with students and take a tarot lens in how I'm approaching, even if I don't necessarily bring tarot into the classroom or into like my, my sure. meetings with students. So I'm curious how you ended up in higher education, both that and then also how you ended up as using tarot as a tool in your personal, your personal life. So there's like kind of like two journeys maybe that you went on to get yeah. to where
1: you are. No, that's a beautiful question because it's very much a confluence. I think, of the two of those things. So I, when, so I'm a first generation college grad. Like I mentioned, I grew up in a rural, I grew up on a, when I was a kid, my family owned the nation's largest ornamental poultry hatchery. So we raised and bred and sold and then competitively like exhibited basically just really fancy, beautiful chickens from all over the world. Right. (laughs) And this was like, this was my childhood. I grew up caring for thousands thousands of birds and and beautiful things like peafowl and pigeons and pheasants and ducks and geese and oh my gosh, the whole bit. Um, and I'm such a product of that world. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to run around the pastures and essentially like conversate with the trees. And so Pine Watero actually comes from this idea that to my memory, the first time that I truly channeled anything was with the pine trees. They were like the first mm-hmm. truth tellers for me. Mm-hmm. A six-year-old, right? However, this is a little bit of where maybe the queerness comes in. I always knew that I wasn't like cut from the very same cloth as maybe the rest of my family, and so I got involved in the arts, and I like any kind of art, like music, theater, but also like different sculpture and painting and drawing. I, I did anything that would allow me to creatively express, mm-hmm. and I think in a lot of ways that was me coping with like this awakening intuition, right? I really like I went with that flow all the way into college I was scholarshiped for music and servant leadership and I went to um St. Olaf college which is Uh, similar to the school I work for now, actually. It's a private, small, liberal arts college. St. Olaf is affiliated with the Lutheran Church, um, which is the faith background that I grew up as. And I've always been really involved with sacred spaces. And so my college experience was really defined by wanting to find myself in the world because I wasn't necessarily finding myself at that point in my family in the ways that I think some people do or feel like they do. And while I was in college, I intended to be a music major, but then I took an anthropology 110, which changed my whole damn world. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) after that, I just went down a very different path, which saw me getting a teaching license. And right after I graduated, I very briefly taught civics um, at a charter school on the East side of St. Paul. And then realized that like the stuff, this this is a really happening live thought. The stuff that I love the most, was the conversation I was having with my students around like their big purpose questions, right? Mm-hmm. Their deep yearning for presence and place and a sense of belonging in the world, which is all the the shit that I was looking for, right? I realized that I would be able to have that more pointedly with college students than I would with high schoolers, right? And this is all just about sort of like picking picking the stage, right? Because it's all essentially the same stuff for me. It's the same kind mm-hmm. of skill set. That desire, the same passion. And then discovered that I could do that kind of work in a higher education setting. There's a master's degree out there for that. Um, and then I sort of plunged into a completely different world of, of, of new beautiful theories. Now, I'm a, I'm a Libra sun. And so I'm very like air sign, very intellectual. Like, I cope using intellect,ion Like I love framing things with me. Mm-hmm theoretical undertones. For folks who maybe don't know me that much, I like I love really big words because they feel good. Like it feels like a good description. And so as I was studying all these theories, I was like, oh my God, yes, like that is life. Like that is it, that is meaning. But then once I was outside of the formal school setting, I was like, well, where do I get that fix? Like, where do I get the, the I don't know, the big ideas, like those big ideas that just light your whole body up. You know, you feel it in every cell. Um, and for me, I started um, discovering podcasts like On Being with Krista Tippett. Or yeah, yeah. Just, um, different avenues of of essentially what I would label as like sacred thoughts or like, I don't know, I've always been really fascinated with the dichotomy of the sacred versus the profane. Mm-hmm. Like what do we choose to treat as sacred versus what do we choose to treat as more mundane, right? And so I've just continued down that sort of exploration sort of avenue and wound up uh, last March, being essentially like given the tarot. Okay, so so the whole the whole like educational journey. Also, I wish people who listen to this podcast could see me talking with my hands because I do so much of this sort of like. <laughs> I love paint. it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> listeners in your mind, I am painting pictures for you with my hands. So the the tarot journey sort of grew out of that idea of like I'm just looking for all of these like connected thoughts I'm looking for this sense of connectivity between you know me and the world and the world and other people Um, when I was a kid I used to lay out all my picture books and I would create stories where all of the characters could um, interact with one another in a really meaningful way and so when I found the tarot I was like hold up these symbols like all of this magic happening in this deck of, of whatever this is like this is it this is such a beautiful connection between all of these different things and so the the tarot was gifted to me essentially by my partner my boyfriend errol um errol had picked up a box at a i think an urban outfitters it was one of those kids <laughs> be like there's a cardboard kid? thing you could like. exactly like hey but he basically handed it to me he's like i bought this a long time ago i don't know how to do this but i want you to tell my future do you think you could learn and i believe my response was like boo i already know how (laughs) right like i hadn't learned yet but like me discovering the tarot was like a fish discovering water like it just made a lot of sense and that was just back in march so march of 2018. correct okay so i It all lined up in a really sort of funny and beautiful way because I had gone through a lot of trauma um, in my personal life and at work right at the end of 2016, no, 2017. Essentially, I was still riding a wave of really crap like life experience. Like I was, I mean, I would talk about it now as like a really big, deep tower moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I had been laid off from a job. Um, a couple of months before that, I had discovered that one of my graduate students that I was supervising had passed away. Um, and then I had I was like, uh, I'm, well, okay, so content warning for sexual assault. Um, I identify as a sexual assault survivor um, twice. And the first time that was with that whole sort of tower moment the first time, and then coming in, it took a full, pretty much a full calendar year for me to really find my footing again. And that is when I took the current job that I have right now. And so for the the past probably, I mean, really it's been the past two years, but for sure for the past year, I've been very intentionally like healing. And so when the tarot came in last March, it was at a really beautiful juncture of me feeling like, you know what, I got this. Like I'm calm, I feel centered again. I'm able to ground myself again. Um, and for anybody who follows me on Instagram, um, last summer, I experienced another assault, which is something that I'm like, pretty open to talking about. Um, and I mean, I was posting about it on Instagram, because I wanted to, to show that like healing is shitty and messy and beautiful. And, and I wanted to show the role that tarot was taking on in that moment, because it came at such a interesting juncture of my life. And that's also right around the time where I discovered just how amazing the tarot Instagram community is. Mm -hmm. That's also when I discovered Lindsay Mack and decided that I was going to enroll in the tarot for the wild soul course. So now that it's been 20 minutes and I've talked about all these things, the confluence of those two things have, have been, I think, one of the things that has most helped me move through my life in a way that has allowed me to still have like an ease and a grace and a kind of like sense of healing or a sense of efficacy around my healing. Mm-hmm. Had it not been for the tarot, I don't know that I would have found the right words to pair with yeah. you know, what it was that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But had it not been for those initial hardships, I don't know if I would have found my way to the cards
0: hmm hmm Yeah. I remember when you were posting about that on Instagram and I'm not sure how I ended up, I know we had been Instagram friends for a while, but I'm not sure how I ended up like following you initially. Um, but I remember when you posted that and what I found really beautiful was that you were able to like share what was going on in your life, kind of in what it appeared to me in like live time. Whereas I feel like a lot of people, draw from things that they've had in the past and they use kind of tarot analogies. And one of the things that I try to do with this podcast is kind of relate stuff that's like really going on currently, even if an episode doesn't air for a while, but kind of try to constantly be, be living it. And that was one of the things that I noticed that you were really the first person that I saw really using tarot and your own trauma in the moment to like lifetime heal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Thank you for seeing that. Yeah. And for handling that away because the, so based, you know, I was talking a little bit of, earlier about my work. There's this um, idea of like the death doula, right? Or like the, I think it's Psychopomp. There's, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of archetypes out there about <laughs> the people who guide souls through like a death process into, you know, the next kind of step, whatever that means. And in my work world, I'm always referring people to mental health professionals, but I don't personally identify as someone who is like a counselor, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm very trauma-informed and I have a lot of training when it comes to counseling techniques. And and I see myself very much as a kind of like lifetime death doula for people who are going through the death card, right? That yeah. setting, that really hard moment that like, ground shaking kind of power energy and it's my responsibility to then sit with them hold that space i'm very like king of cups in my everyday life because i at least i see that kind of energy because i i have to hold space for myself within that role otherwise i take on too much of my uh, students um whatever that kind of stuff is that they're bringing into my office But then at the same time, like I have to honor that experience. Somebody needs to see that experience and hold that experience because that then allows that person to transition through into that point of being able to start a healing process. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a moment in there that is just catastrophically and tragically beautiful. And that's where I meet most of my people. They've either made a big mistake or they've had something traumatic happen to them, or they are finding themselves at a moment where everything has just combined in the worst kinds of ways and then my role is to sit there and sort of help them move through that moment right Mm -hmm. and so for me I found myself in that moment and I was like holy shit this is this is what I do like this is the stuff that I this is why I channel right like this is why I connect to all of the beautiful things out there that help people see like yes somebody's here seeing you and my instinct was to close myself off and be self-isolating and mm-hmm. instead, no, dude, like you got to, you got to dial in right now. This is when you plug in. And so I decided to, to post that for that reason. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody comments on that post still, or I get a message about it, I'm so, so, so thankful. And the response made me feel so held. And after that, I was like, oh, this community, like this is it. Like I have chills just even thinking about it because it was such an amazing response.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, it's actually making me think I've been, my students have dropped out of high school and they're um, in a college setting for the first time. And I really have loved the idea of the, the death doula. I have been thinking about myself as somebody who's like, a fool doula. I don't know if that's like a thing.
1: I like, will love <laughs> it. <laughs> it a but, thing, Jenna. Oh my god. <laughs> right. Like I'm like
0: okay. Trademark TM right there. <laughs> but this like new. Like I see it as a new beginning for them. But it makes me think when you're talking about the death doula aspect of how I have to help usher them into that new energy and to believe that it's a new cycle or it's a new beginning. Because so many of them are um, kind of like grieving the life that they had before, or they're not quite sure that they can have this like new adventure, this new cycle. Um, So it's just as you're talking, I'm just sort of thinking, like, oh, we can geek out about higher ed stuff like forever. (laughs) And I was somebody, you know, I'm a mental health counselor, but I'm not their counselor. And I struggle with that of like holding the boundaries and self disclosure with them. And I feel like the year, that I was pregnant was one of those years that I couldn't hide. I couldn't hide my personal life from them because it was just like there. And then there was also a year that both of my grandmas died in the same quarter. Mm -hmm. And man, it was like, this is my real life. I'm bringing it in, trying to be, you know, respectful of like where they are, but also being like, I got to take time because my grandma's just died. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you know, trying to hold, hold that balance. So I love what you're saying about doing your own work, but then bringing it into sessions with students, not saying necessarily that you, you know, had been sexually assaulted, but just Mm -hmm. you're living that healing journey in lifetime. And I think that that gives us a little bit more empathy for our students who are going through their own shit in lifetime.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like that connected piece of, um, I'm sure there's, we were talking about On Being earlier. Mm-hmm. I know there are entire episodes where they talk about this exact kind of, you know, this same kind of stuff or like Brene Brown comes into my mind. I think of Brene Brown as like the patron saint of student affairs practitioners. Yeah. Like, yes. That's like my that's <laughs> my version of higher education is student affairs because like I said, I'm not teaching right now. So the vulnerability component right mm-hmm. like you live a more wholehearted life when you allow yourself to feel the pain because in feeling that kind of experience you're able to then develop great like you were saying greater empathy that i mean for some folks myself included that comes like really naturally and for other folks i think sometimes if you can see somebody doing that it makes it that much easier to connect with those those ideas in your own life right and then we're opening ourselves up to greater connection with whoever is mm-hmm. around us like Right now, that's like my family and me trying to find like ways to reconnect. Part of that is because of the queer identity that I hold. I think it's easier for me sometimes to connect with my students around these kinds of things because I can put myself in their shoes. Yeah. easier. Um, and I think sometimes when I think about connecting folk- with folks that way, where maybe we don't share that much in common, like that is work. I mean, it's very worthy work to do, but that is that's work. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. I think sometimes that I'm able to connect with my students um, because I can see myself so much in them and wanting to try to be the person that I didn't have or that I saw like glimpses of when I was a kid or you know a teenager or even in college. And I think family is a whole different ball game. You know, okay. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot there. So um, my family doesn't know that I read tarot. What about yours?
1: Nope. Well, yeah, some of them do. Some of them do. The people. This is another amazing confluence in my life. The people that I came out to first mm-hmm. are the people that know that I read tarot. Mm-hmm. I think I've been reading a bunch of different books. I always read a bunch of different books. Never read one book. It's too much. I don't know why, but I also read very slowly. <laughs> so, mm. so I've been like immersed in all of this um, history of like queerness and queer magic and and the sort of like big systems of privilege and power and oppression in the world. And I've been thinking a lot about how when when colonial, like when colonizing was happening in such an active way and the cultures that had been experiencing these, you know, beautiful just embracing of like third gender folks or folks that we make labels intersex these days or people who like were maybe gender nonconforming or queer in some kind of way. All of those folks in so many cultures were, really lauded as like holy and mm-hmm. yeah. more connected to divine or more sacred. And, um, you know, as, the, as the, the different big sweeping religions spread around and as, you know, the white people went into all of these places and claimed things and stole things and mistreated the land, um, Those some of those like rich sacred lineages went away. And when I think about reading tarot, I think about it as such a queer enterprise for me. Um, It's been such an affirming way of exploring some of the identities that I hold that have been systemically oppressed by Mm -hmm. the cultural hegemony. Like all of these forces at work come together for me in the tarot. So the people in my family that I've been most open with about my experiences with magic um, have been people who have also been very comfortable to share my experiences with my sexuality. Mm -hmm. There are also folks who I think are a little bit more open to there being multiple expressions of truth in the world. Um, I come from a pretty religious family, but that's also kind of an outdated narrative that I tell myself now, because a lot of my family have developed in a way where they no longer see themselves as being so deeply devout, but they're still very much connected to what they feel is sacred. And so, yeah, it's been such a beautiful kind of, mix of things with the coming out and the, you know, sort of revealing that I'm a tarot reader now. I do want to share one thing that I feel very strongly about. And that is when people talk about coming out of the broom closet, Mm -hmm. I always struggle. And I've, I've, I've used that phrase multiple times in my life, but only within the last couple of months have I really started to struggle with it. um, Because I think a lot of folks who are engaged in Whatever we want to label the divination methods or the different modalities of healing that may seem like I don't I don't I can't even think of like a good label for it but there's still so much privilege in being able to do something like that and then there are so many folks who like literally cannot express their sexualities or their gender identities or something along those lines because of like fear for physical safety mm-hmm. and even though and and I'm not saying that somebody who is uh you know practicing tarot is maybe more or less safe than somebody else or more or less able to move the world with ease or with privilege. Um, But it, it doesn't resonate super well with me when people talk about coming out of the broom closet. However, I also understand that there's like this really important thing of being able to name that component of yourself, right? We all have multiple identities and those identities may carry privilege. They may also be marginalized in some kind of way. And I've not found the right kind of balance to integrate my identity as someone who is deeply engaged in a tarot practice with my identity as somebody who's you know has a deep history of being very religious and very participatory in sacred communities and i currently find myself with without a like a live large like congregation kind of community but that's kind of where tarot has come in in the most beautiful way like i've started actually meeting people who are doing this and let me tell you that has changed so many of my perspectives on like the way that this identity fits into the the mix of things that I already have. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I love that. Yeah. One of the things that I've really loved about being, well, like being in Lindsay's course this fall and then sort of the subsequent follow-up, like being able to meet people in the tarot community, like in live, (laughs) in live time, like with real bodies, you know, and that that has just been really helpful for me. Um, to kind of have it be uh, three-dimensional instead of just online, whereas online is really great. And my own practice is also really great. Um, There's something about knowing that I'm not alone. It's just, in a similar way, you know, as you were talking about sort of like the coming out of the broom closet, I was thinking so much about how being queer is like the essence of who I am. And tarot is like a tool that I use, one of many tools that I use to help you know create like the story of my life or to give language or symbolism to like things that i'm going through and i've struggled in a similar way with that languaging because i don't want to take away from people's experience of coming out as queer you know um because I know, like, in my own experience with my family, it was really, really hard. It was really hard. And then I also am like, okay, and then we know the history of witches and how they've been treated. And so it's like, you know, where do I find that that balance? And it's like, can we just have a different language? <laughs> you know, why do we have to co-opt one whole segment of you know the society and use the same language you know what i mean
1: yep i also i am pretty careful in my own thinking in the way that i move through especially like the digital community like i identify as a cisgender white man Mm -hmm. that's a lot of privilege and that's a lot of space to take up even in a digital space so i'm very careful about like you know maybe not careful but more conscientious and thoughtful about what content am I going to put out there that's actually going to add to the conversation in a way that doesn't weigh the voice of somebody else? Right. Or I choose very specifically not to identify as a witch. It doesn't like, it's not a label that resonates with me really, but it's also a label that has so much like historicity ingrained in it that like me as a, as a, especially as like a white man, cisgender man, like that's just not my space. And, and sometimes I even feel to some extent that the tarot Instagram community isn't even a good space for me to be because, Mm. and I'm not saying that in any kind of self-deprecating way, it's just a very honest assessment of like, there are spaces where I have found myself very invited and there are spaces where I found myself as being more of a like participant observer. And I think I'm still trying to like strike the balance of that when it comes to interacting with folks through Instagram as a platform, right? Right. Like I'm, I'm not somebody out there who's like, ooh, let me get all these followers right quick because that's going to give me some kind of like influence. If anything, I'm trying to be thoughtful about what kind of influence I'm like helping to amplify, like whose voices, maybe people who like, oh, that person looks like me. So I'm going to follow him who look at Pinewood Tarot. But then I'm like always up there posting like any kind of voice from the margins, I think. Right. Is It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to center. It's the right thing to interrupt these systems of of privilege that are out there. I mean, I do the same thing in my work, right? Why not take that into my digital life as well? So I very much appreciated being able to observe and in some cases actually participate in conversations around privilege and oppression. Because I I think tarot is such a beautiful, liberating tool for folks who have marginalized identities that are getting that sense of like oppression from Mm -hmm. their everyday life. And it's such a beautiful retreat. So yes, I want to retweet that. Like, I don't want to take away the experience of having someone identify as someone who's reading tarot, but I also want to be very protective of the language of folks who are having a queer experience in a very heteronormative world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Like, that's bumper sticker worthy right there, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's, chal- I mean, it's, it's really challenging to, I, and I find that I, I wrestle with, you know, social media in particular, <clears throat> where I think a lot about who am I amplifying, and then also where do I fit in that story, like, where do I fit in my own feed about like my own personal experience without them being like, this is the Jenna show. It's all about me. But then it's also, there's that where you were talking about the confluence earlier. It's like, Instagram is a small business marketing tool and people are trying to like sell readings, get readings by. And it's just like, I struggle. And there's times where I just want to be like, whoop, I'm out. <laughs> like, let me take my yeah. five tarot friends in real life and I could get their tech, you know, I can text them and we can meet up at a coffee shop. And Seattle apparently has a really great like tarot. There's a lot of people in the, tarot, in the Seattle area that do tarot. And then I'm like, no, you know, I gotta, I, I feel like I have to be here in this space, but it's, I, I struggle with it in a similar way with like my students of how much do I bring my own life into it and how much do I make it about them and tell the one kid to stop talking so much because this person hasn't talked a lot. And, you know, it's it's just mm-hmm. like, I feel like it's constantly thinking, mm-hmm. which is probably why, you know, we're good in the higher education space is that we are always thinking about all of these different moving parts and how people are feeling about those moving parts.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to share the card that you pulled for our interview today. Yeah, you're allowed my- to the emperor is literally about taking the space that we deserve or need to take in the world and so sometimes even if the voice in my mind is saying like you don't need to be in this space but i know that there's something that's meaningful to add like i think that that is that kind of energy of like we've oh. we've done the work like we've done the thinking we know the impact and i think some of the folks who maybe you know, don't participate in conversations because they don't want to take up the space, um, I still think that there's something that they may have to add that is really impactful and meaningful. And it's more about the, like, you know, are you listening more than you are contributing? Or are you, mm-hmm. you know, amplifying more than you are content producing? And, 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 you know, I think that a lot of these thoughts that I have are a little bit half-baked still because, I mean, I'm still relatively new to the Instagram scene, I feel. And, and I'm still... Yeah like comparatively very new to the tarot scene right um but these conversations around culture and around privilege and oppression like this is the kind of stuff that I've been living since you know like 10 years ago when I first started learning about it and you know I still very much reckon with the privileged identities that I have Mm -hmm. and how they show up but I also think that it's a balance between taking the space that we know that we deserve to take in the world and then sometimes stepping in to take up the space that we need to take Um, and that's a really tough there there's no rules (laughs) for how to discern that I don't think right but um I wanted to pull in that emperor card first of all because it's beautiful but second of all because it's like so rich and meaningful for this kind of conversation
0: Yeah, well, and I think that that's what I really appreciate is, again, the conversation in live time, you know, the ability to kind of constantly be like, I don't know what the WTF I'm doing, and I'm trying. And and then when I take up too much, how do I step back? And then how do I, you know, it's like, there's been times in my classroom in the last year or so where I've just, I, I overshared. And the next day I came and I was like, listen, you guys, I got to apologize. Like I took up too much. I didn't need to bring that much to the conversation yesterday. Let me ratchet it back and then have you guys step up more. Um, Rather than my, my deep down soul tendency is to want to have perfectionism is to want to be like, I will only show up online when I have a perfectly packaged deal. I will only talk to Carl when I know exactly what I'm going to say and all of these And that is stifling. I mean, that goes back to my sort of fundamentalist roots of like, you gotta be perfect. You gotta do it right the first time, you know? And, um, so to be able to kind of, it's great that you don't know, but you don't know and you're new and you're just figuring it out. Cause I think that's, we all are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So where do you see tarot, you know, in the next, as we're in heading into 2019, where do you see it, you know, in your, in your life?
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Lindsay's course, I am still working through that richness. Like, it is indulgently good. Right? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I'm sitting with some of those lessons. I think I'm, like, I've jumped around, um, and I'm, like, working through the cup suit right now, which is, like, a suit that I have such a complicated relationship with. Um, A lot of people, I feel, like, talk about the swords as being something that they don't really understand, but, like, I... Those swords, those are, like, my <laughs> day tools, right? Like, that is, that is something... I, I may know. not like
0: the swords, but I definitely get them. Cups? What?
1: Yeah. Cups? What's, what's that? Yeah. So, I'm, um, I'm swimming around in some of those things. So, you know, I'm, like, I'm working through that, and I want to, I want to bring that course to sort of my, like, fullest learning that I can, and, and then kind of go from there. I, so, right before... I was assaulted this most recent time, which is the post that I we were talking about earlier. I was getting ready to launch Pinewood Tarot as like a real thing. Um, and I, you know, again, felt that that was maybe a little too soon. It was maybe a little too haughty. It was maybe a little, a little bit too like, like you're not finished yet, Carl, maybe take a break. But then I had this traumatic thing happen and it was like, the universe deciding for me that it was time to take a break right and I have had a couple of folks that I trust do some readings for me and of course the four of swords kept coming up among some other big and beautiful archetypes the tower was there mm-hmm. as I would expected the tower to be there so right now I'm still I'm still healing like I'm still kind of sitting in this like you know what is my relationship with my body right now what is my relationship with my mind right now what is you know, what is the ways of knowing that I'm holding on to that are serving me and which are the ones that I need to continue to shed. I have started reading for other people again, which is really beautiful. And I've been doing that, like I'll have people reach out on the Instagram platform and they'll be like, hey, I really appreciate what you're posting. Would you be willing to read for me? And sometimes I'm in a space where I'm like, oh my God, yes, I want to do this all day. And then there's other times where I'm like, you know what? there's no way that I can hold space for myself and still have right? And so I I don't know where that's going to go. And I'm kind of excited about that because I've always kind of been a man with a plan. And uh, it's really liberating to not have one, Uh, which is tough. And (laughs) I'll, I'll be the first to own that. But um, the other thing that I've been really focusing on, and I actually just yesterday was able to take a walk with my original trees that I was talking about earlier. And I've been doing a lot of work with my ancestors. I posted a while ago that I was here back in Minnesota on the family farm um, uh, and was having a conversation with my grandma. This is my mom's mom. And she was sort of just off the cuff being like, hey, do you want to help with like the family lineage research? Like, do you want to do this kind of like, deep dive into some of these these folks and these artifacts and like I have all these pictures and again it was the universe saying like hey this is what you're being prepared for right now like I have a really unique positionality within my family because of having gone off to college and I'm the only one who lives away which is definitely a part of the identities I think that I could have shared on the outside is like yeah I'm living away from where it has all happened right this is important to my family it's it's uh been an important part of my life and my mom's life. We I live right next door to where my mom actually grew up as a child. And mm-hmm. so there's just like really deep integration and and I've been doing a lot of research about whose land it actually is and the the peoples that inhabited this land before these people have. Um, but I've been sort of diving into some of this ancestral medicine work. I've been reading Daniel Ford's book um, about the topic and I've been doing a lot of you know research over getting my my lines down and kind of memorizing, you know, these these recently past folks in my life. And it's been a very like beautifully integrated part of my own healing process with my own body and my own experiences, especially again, as a queer person. And uh, yeah, I think I'm really excited to see where Tarot fits in as a modality as I continue to do that work, because that feels very right. And I probably will continue to do some of those readings on the side because it is so, joy bringing for me. Um, and I wouldn't want to limit myself if I feel like that's a good thing to do. Right. And again, that's a live part of the healing. Like it, sometimes it's not the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. Right. <laughs> but for all of that other stuff I talked about, it feels like it is the time for that. Yeah. For a long time I was like, you know, am I, am I leveraging Instagram as a tool to like do something that I'm not feeling super called to do, which would be to, you know, leverage it as like a business tool or something like that. Cause I do have a personal Instagram account, but I'm, I'm real like. That's only like inner circle folks. And I've never integrated that account with my Pinewood Tarot account. And that feels, that feels right still. So yeah, I'm just going to keep swimming in my cups and keep learning about my people and, and the land that my family is on and we'll see where that takes me.
0: I love that so much. I mean, I'm an ancestry nerd <laughs> right now. I mean, growing up adopted, I really like always longed for genealogy, although I'm obsessed about my adoptive family's genealogy and ancestral lineage as well. Um, so I feel like, oh, great. Now I have like all the extra people to like research with my, I'm, I just am I'm, like, I'm on a six month ancestry Free, not free, but like limited. You know, like it was, it was an introductory, <laughs> an introductory offer. I'm like, I gotta get all the researching in possible. I will have a PhD in my family. No, um, <laughs> but it was. It's interesting because tarot was the first thing that actually really connected me with some ancestral stuff. Like, I know my biological like parents and my aunts but I started posting about doing tarot and that was when my biological mom's sister reached out to me and she was like, your grandma read tarot, your great grandma read tarot and tea tea leaves. And she would do it for people in the community. Yeah. And then on my other side, my dad's side, having all of these like premonitions and um, as it kind of like opened up this ancestral channel, he's like, oh yeah, the knowing is what he says that the knowing happens in our family. He's like, typically women get it Mm -hmm. but he gets it sometimes too dreams where they came true and all this stuff and I'm just like oh this ancestral stuff is so it's so powerful and I feel like tarot really works well um with that so I love that you're you're reading that book and doing some of that same nerdy
1: adventure it really is nerdy adventure (laughs) it's really (laughs)
0: super nerdy right I mean I'm like I want to like pull out my like 15 generations like fans that I'm working on. And it's just, there's, there's just so much, there's so much there and so much healing that can happen for yourself personally. But then also for me, it feels like there's like the bigger story, just like I'm trying to help my students, you know, kind of heal themselves so that they can kind of heal society and our families.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, that's like whenever i interview for jobs i'm always talking about how i'm developing like efficacious citizens because i want those people to be able to go out into the world and create positive change right that's like a very sort of professionalized version of i want people to be a good version of themselves yeah or cause less harm right where they will make more good they will like live more wholeheartedly or more fully or whatever like That is, that's the entire, that is like, that is what this is. That's me, right? Yeah. Um, And that language is, is so important to me because that's something that like emerged out of like in my family. Similarly, there were always moments as a kid where I was told to listen to my intuition, right? It was trust the gut or, you know, I would talk to my mom about having like a feeling about something and she would always like ask me a ton of questions about it. Um, because she saw the validity in what that experience was for me as a child, but then also just me as a human being, right? And my grandma has always been the same kind of way, right? And and the family has a lot of history with some mental health challenges and a lot of, like, reasons why we rightfully should be paying attention to what the inner stories of our lives are and the way that we are, are not building ourselves up as humans and that kind of thing. But there was always space for that. And I think that that has been a huge proponent of why I've become the way that I have become, which, you know, I don't, I, I, again, it's holding space for myself and others. Like it is a healing process for me as much as it is, you know, a healing process for my lineage, as well as like the people that I will potentially be ancestors for. Right. Uh Like Uh there's that idea of like, you are already an ancestor. So make sure that you're like a good, strong, well, loving ancestor. Yeah. Um, That is like, throw that shit on a motivational poster and get that up in my office because like that is what i need to see right so yeah, that, yeah that really resonates with me
0: i know and i'm raising descendants and that like trips me out every time that i like pull back a little bit from the annoyance of being a mom mm-hmm. i'm like oh my gosh i am an ancestor these are my descendants shit this is the line this is this is yep. what i'm passing down and oof, I got to do some work on that. And it's also really good, like to just like let myself be and be like, okay, I'm going to be that crazy mom that once I'm, once I'm gone, they're going to be, you know, having to pick up the pieces after I'm no, after I'm no longer here, you know,
1: Yeah. Well, somebody has
0: to carry this on.
1: Yeah. It brings the live, it brings that idea of this is happening live to the forefront for that because i think Mm -hmm. so many people think about the ancestors as entities that are are past and gone and out of the way or whatever like but they're like all the time the influence is there right and we Mm -hmm. are doing that process right now like we are living into that right now and i think it's really beautiful that you can take the time to sit in that to say like this is this is literally my now Mm -hmm. but this is also you know our future their future
0: and i'm learning so much like for my youngest he'll be three in february so probably by the time this podcast comes out he'll be three you know he's reminding me to put juice on the front porch for bear peter the ancestor because he's like (laughs) mommy he's thirsty and i'm like oh god i forgot and all the things that i need to do and he's just very simply like hey this guy's our family and he's thirsty and he and and also mommy he likes cookies and chocolate and i'm like "Mm, does he now of course (laughs) (laughs) Of course he does. 14.59. Of course you want my chocolate from QFC, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, Carl, I feel like we could just like talk all day. (laughs) Or like have you know? Um, But we are coming up on that hour mark. And so I just want to say, well, A, this has been like so much fun. B, I always ask people about their relationship to creative intuition and how that is showing up you know in their lives in this like current moment so any yeah. thoughts on creative intuition
1: yeah so i was thinking about that because you know when i think about creativity i think about my own rich experiences as as being musician or as being artists and those kind of things and i still i still maintain all of all of that and drawing is such a beautiful mechanism for channeling source energy and when i'm performing with you know College, the college I work for has a very small choral program. So I'm still singing, uh, which is part of what I did in college. And like, I love choirs. I mean, how weird is it to have a bunch of people just sort of singing together and breathing together? Like, but it's so natural and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, I mean, it's just such a transformative experience. And that's when, those are often the moments where I feel most connected to what I label as like the divine or what I would label as God. Um, but really in an active way, I've been doing a lot of intuitive writing in the past couple of months, um, both on the recommendation of my therapist, but also because it feels so good and natural to do. Um, And it's so easy. I just sit down with a notebook and a pen and I just write. And I write whatever passes through my mind until I stop being conscious of what it is that's passing through my mind and the pen never leaves the page. And I just sort of just keep writing, right? And I try to get out of the way and then suddenly beautiful things come out of the pen and it's great and it's healing because I know that I'm you know pulling up these beautiful components of myself that are always there that I just fail to remember or recognize Mm -hmm. and then often what I'll do is I'll take a writing exercise and I'll review it and read it and usually naturally I wind up writing some sort of mantra for myself or or, um, you know, I'll channel that kind of thing and then I'll, I'll keep this and I sort of keep a running list of these things as they pop up through this intuitive writing. And um, sometimes I'll read it and I'll say, like, wow, the one word that I was writing about that I never said was, you know, whatever that word is. And it's just such a beautiful practice. And I'll often pull cards in relationship to that too to get a little bit of a deeper interpretation. Or mm-hmm. I've even started combining that intuitive writing with connecting with my ancestors. And so the that act of putting the pen to the page is something that so many folks in the Instagram tarot community do in just such like profoundly beautiful ways. Um, for me, it is deeply, deeply personal because that is how I slow myself down, right? Mm-hmm. My very sort of theoretical, grounded kind of mind, like maybe not grounded, the opposite of grounded, but. You know people knock on on literature and research and theory all the time but i use that as the way to find so much deep validity in what i experience with my intuition not because i need to prove it but because i think it adds a level of richness and depth that is just profoundly beautiful mm-hmm. um, so when i'm doing intuitive writing i will often Find out that I'm, you know, connecting with ideas that I wasn't thinking about, or connecting with, you know, people I wasn't thinking about, or connecting with just, you know, the universe in general. And it, it's profoundly creative. It's also profoundly healing. Um, so I love, I love that, and highly recommend it to everybody.
0: Gosh, like, I love it, that. Even if
1: you're a writer, <laughs> or, or maybe most particularly if you are a writer, I think it's so hard to get out of your way, um, mm-hmm. you're crafting something, right? But right. for me. In all of the curation I do in my everyday life, what you said about perfectionism was really resonating with me. Um, that intuitive writing piece makes me have to stop and actually just allow and that is that is some deep that's some deep stuff so
0: yeah, this fall i I took a writing course online and it was uh, it was tarot magic, occult, like focused like with different prompts and stuff, and one of them um, was into, it was kind of like what you're saying, intuitive writing that was grounding exercises and stuff before, but then it was to just write and allow a story from your neighborhood to come to you we don't know if it's true or not and it was really interesting um to read people's experiences of like just kind of like what came up when they got out of the way when they just started writing you know stories that it's like making me think as you're walking around the land and the trees like what would it be like to just write like a you know who would come through like what stories would come through that maybe we can't fact check in you know in the city hall or whatever but just that kind of uh, connecting with the, the wisdom that is sometimes, yeah, we can lose it in the day to day experience of just going from here to there. It's like slowing down, letting our, our you know, conscious mind that wants everything to be perfectly formed. Mm. If that's me, you know? <laughs> yeah, see what comes up. Oh, okay. So when people want to get a hold of you, uh, how do they go about doing that?
1: I would recommend hitting me up on Instagram. Um, that's really the only platform I'm currently using for my tarot practice. So Pine okay. Tarot is my handle. Um, I don't, fair warning, I don't post a ton, but when I do, it is like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, like something <laughs> that like, I don't know why it is that way. I've often wrestled around with like, what am I actually doing on that platform? But for now, that is by far and away. And I'm sure when this when this does air in the spring, that will still be the best way to find me. Um, but yeah, no website, nothing like that. I'm just I'm just hanging out there. Doing I love thing.
0: it. It's you like know, millennial, like just YouTube
1: Instagram. Instagram. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a one platform support person right now. It's
0: just perfect. (laughs) I think it's great. It's sometimes too much to try to be on more than one. So I love it. And I have had so much fun talking to you today. So I really, really, really appreciate
1: you being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy.
0: Hey friends. Thanks for listening to Leo rising a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived, so feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting, but much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years, so know that there isn't a tarot Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.